Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. I'm your host, Brother Vinnie Fitzgerald, and today we're going to delve into the Bible to bring you insight from God's Word that will help you to grow and to develop into spiritual maturity. These lessons are designed to help guide you and strengthen you in your relationship with the Lord. Whether you never opened a Bible or read a cover to cover, this podcast will inform and uplift you. Our purpose is not only for you to know and to understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Today, our topic is going to be the shepherd's sin. Let's begin in Ezekiel chapter 34. Ezekiel chapter 34, beginning in the first verse, says, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, prophesy, and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? Ye eat the fat, and ye clothe you with the wool. Ye kill them that are fed, but ye feed not the flock. The diseased have ye not strengthened, neither have ye healed that which was sick, neither have ye bound up that which was broken, neither have ye brought again that which was driven away, neither have ye sought that which was lost, but with force and with cruelty have ye ruled them. And they were scattered, because there is no shepherd, and they became meat to all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mounds and upon every high hill. Yea, my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth, and none did search or seek after them. Therefore, ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, saith the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey, and my flock became meat to every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, neither did my shepherds search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves, and fed not my flock. Therefore, O ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand, and cause them to cease from feeding the flock. Neither shall the shepherds feed themselves any more, for I will deliver my flock from their mouth, that they may not be meat for them. For thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out, as a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered. So will I seek out my sheep, and will deliver them out of all places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the people, and gather them from the countries, and will bring them to their own land, and feed them upon the mounds of Israel, by the rivers, and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in a good pasture, and upon the high mounds of Israel shall their fold be. There shall they lie in a good fold, and in a fat pasture shall they feed upon the mounds of Israel. In this passage, we find the Lord rebuking the shepherds for failing to feed the sheep while feeding themselves. This is important, not just for understanding it as something that happened long ago, but also as something that's happening in the church today, and it's becoming ever more visible as time goes on. We find it all around us. There's no shortage of churches, and there's no shortage of shepherds, But even though this is the case, people still aren't really being spiritually fed. They're being left to fend for themselves while the shepherds are full. 
The prophet Amos prophesied that there would come a famine, not of food, but of the hearing of the word of God. And this is happening in our own day. This is never something we as Christians should tolerate, because our brethren, who are the children of God, aren't growing in their faith. They aren't maturing, aren't being strengthened, and aren't being nourished, because shepherds are holding back the meat of the word of God from the flock. This can go on for a while, without a noticeable change, but after some time the results become stark. But still, many can't discern that they're not being truly fed. One of the outward signs of starvation is the swelling of the belly. Even though a person may be starving, it may seem to others who see them with a swollen belly that they're being well fed. And when it comes to spiritual matters, they themselves may believe that what is really meant to be a warning sign is actually a confirmation of being well fed. But this is dangerous because if left unchecked, it can ruin a man from the inside out. The same way that we wouldn't allow our families to go without food in the natural, we shouldn't allow the family of God to go without spiritual meat. The shepherds should be held accountable for what's gone on. The same way holding back food from a child would be considered abuse on the part of the parent, holding back spiritual food from the children of God is also abuse on the shepherd's part. Verse 4 affirms this. The last part of the verse says, But with force and with cruelty have ye ruled them. They're not only abusing the people, they're abusing their position, and they're abusing the trust that God placed in them. We have to take a closer look at what our spiritual sustenance is and how we can be sure that we're being well-fed and that we're not just experiencing swelling instead. We need to be sure that we're in a place where we're being well-fed and when this is true, it will be evident in our lives that we've been led by good shepherds that didn't hoard God's revelations for themselves. They fed the flock with those revelations. We'll know that our flock is strong, well-nourished, and spiritually healthy. But we have to be aware that a lot of other flocks aren't, and we're in a position, no matter how small a role it may be, to change this. Our spiritual food is the Word of God. This is the foundation of understanding spiritual sustenance. Matthew 4 and 4 says, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It's especially important throughout our journey with the Lord to stay close to the word, reading regularly. 1 Peter 2 and 2 tells us, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. We need sustenance in order to grow stronger and more mature. The next verse tells us, If so be that ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. We have spiritual senses that parallel our natural senses. The same way that we have spiritual sight and hearing, we also have spiritual taste. Psalm 34 verses 8 to 10 tell us, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. O fear the Lord, ye his saints. For there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. This is a great promise from God, that if we truly set our hearts and our minds to seek out him and his word, we will not go spiritually hungry. We will be filled. The Lord never holds back provision from us because he is our provider. But the shepherds who he's called to be the instrument for which he does the feeding 
have turned away from their calling and gone their own way, hoarding all the food for themselves while the sheep go hungry. When we're born, all of our senses, including sight and taste, take time to develop, except for our hearing. We need to continually study the Word of God and be disciplined about it, because it's through tasting the Word that our sense of taste develops so that we can taste and enjoy the deeper truths of God and go beyond the surface-level revelations. We already have the capacity within us to become stronger because we can hear God. Our hearing doesn't need development. We can all hear the voice of God speaking to us. We just need to know what to listen for, and we need to know how He talks. The more that we're tasting the Word of God, the more that we'll refine our listening skills and the better we'll become at discerning God speaking to us. Because we know, as Romans 10 and 17 tells us, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The Holy Spirit will speak to us and reveal truths to us, and He will enlighten us as we read. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 13 to 14 tell us, For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use had their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. This reveals a lot to us, especially concerning our senses. We're not only to feed on the Word to develop our senses, we then need to exercise our senses through the Word. We exercise our taste by tasting the Word. We exercise our hearing by listening to His revelations of the Word. And we exercise our sight by searching the Word and by seeing the Word manifested all around us. It's this exercise that prepares us to receive the meat of the Word and to enjoy His revelations from it. Our spiritual food is not just the Word, but also and more importantly, the God who is Himself the personification of the Word. He is the bread of life. He is the source of living water. John 6 and 35 says, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. In John chapter 4, verses 13 and 14, Jesus said to the woman at the well, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. We feed on the Lord himself. As we spend time with him and talk with him in our prayers, he gives us strength because he is strength itself. The same way more is revealed to us in the word as we continue to study, the Lord will reveal more of himself to us as we abide in him and as we spend time in his presence. So many Christians get so caught up in all the complexities of faith that they miss the simplest aspects of it. Sometimes we just need to be with God and that's enough for that moment. We'll have the honor of getting to be with him and partake of him forever. As long as we're with the Lord, we'll never go without true sustenance. The next question that we need to ask ourselves is how can we be sure that we're being fed well and not just being given a diet of milk masqueraded by the shepherds' meat? The key to being able to discern this is by what's being taught. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20-21 to 21 tell us, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. 
there's two important things that we can learn from this. The first thing is that the Word of God authenticates itself and supports itself through passages that affirm each other, although they were written by different people at different times and at different places. This is because the Holy Spirit, speaking through them, is the same no matter what. He never changes. If we're looking in the Word to see what it says about some topic, it's important that we don't just look at one scripture and then stop looking, but that we look for multiple verses that shed light on the same topic. Taking one verse on its own while leaving all the others that cover the same topic out of the conversation is dangerous. It's like pouring out a box of puzzle pieces and picking up one piece and giving a definitive answer about the picture on the puzzle. It can't be done because you may have one part but you don't have enough pieces to give an authoritative view of the whole puzzle. We run into the same thing, but just taking one verse of scripture by itself, it's part, it's a critical part, a part that we can't do without, but we need all the others if we want the picture to be complete. This is why we call ourselves full gospel. This isn't by chance or by accident. We're not part gospel or half gospel. We're full gospel because we want the gospel in its fullest form. We want it complete with all of its different aspects and teachings. We want to hear and follow everything that God has for us, not just the parts that we like and agree with. The other thing that we can learn comes from this idea of only having one piece of the puzzle. Some people who are either ignorant or who have malicious intent are fine with just having the one piece because that piece suits their ends. That scripture justifies what they wanted to justify. It says what they wanted to say. And in their mind, it affirms their faulty way of thinking. So instead of using all the scriptures to get the whole picture, they keep the one by itself because they don't want a clear view. Because a lot more seems permissible when our spiritual vision is blurred. The gray area between right and wrong becomes so large that you can fit whatever you want in it. This is how the word of God gets twisted and distorted by both people and by the devil to mean something that it was never meant to mean. The devil is a master of this. He takes the one verse and quotes it perfectly, but fails to tell the rest of the story. And through this device, he leads countless people astray. He did this when he was tempting Jesus in the wilderness. Matthew 4 and 6, referring to the devil, says, And saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, Cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. He was twisting the word, taking it out of context, separating one piece by itself. But Jesus put it back in context, shedding light on it. In verse 7, he said, Jesus saith unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. The devil is not alone in using this device. Men do it too. History is full of man's attempts to distort the word of God. The vast majority of heresies and false doctrines originate in someone taking one verse of scripture and abusing it, using it for their own ends, or using it with the purpose of controlling people, leading them away from God. The shepherds of God never have a good reason for doing it. It's always backed up by either general incompetency or ulterior motives. These shepherds make themselves into spiritual alchemists, attempting to change something that is specifically designed to never change. 
into something that changes to fit whatever mold we want it to. But it's clear that this is only an attempt to make God's word into our words, because these shepherds, much like Lucifer before his fall, want to put themselves in the position of God. But it'll never work, the same way that it didn't work for the devil. Every poison has some amount of water in it, but just because there's water doesn't make it okay to drink. In the same way, every false doctrine has some element of truth in it, no matter how faint it may be. But just because there's a small morsel of truth doesn't make it okay to believe. The antidote is being able to see the poison in the mix before we drink. But how do we spot the poison? When interpreting different doctrines that we hear, there's a good method called the seesaw method that we can use to discern which are accurate and which aren't. We've all seen seesaws at the playground before. We've all seen that when one side goes up, the other goes down. Three times, Jesus shared in the Gospels a principle that may not at first seem like something important for interpreting the Bible, but is actually incredibly useful. Matthew 23 and 12 says, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. He also shared the same principle in Luke 14 and 11 and in Luke 18 14. We also find it all throughout both the Old and New Testaments, in different variations. This is a spiritual law that works no matter what it's applied to. When we hear a doctrine, we need to test it to see if it matches this principle. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 21 tells us, Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. The seesaw method says that a doctrine that exalts man abases God, and a doctrine that exalts God humbles man. The heart of this is whether the doctrine being taught points to and lifts up God, or does it point to and lift up man? If the answer is man, it doesn't line up with the word of God. That's a doctrine that we should avoid and something that we shouldn't believe. This doesn't mean that God is against man ever being exalted. He's not, but he is against us exalting ourselves. He must be lifted up first, and when he is, then he will exalt us too. The shepherd's disregard for truth and their desire to exalt themselves is evident in the way that they act. Ezekiel 34 and 4 told us, The diseased have ye not strengthened, neither have ye healed that which was sick, neither have ye bound up that which was broken, neither have ye brought again that which was driven away, neither have ye sought that which was lost, but with force and with cruelty have ye ruled them. This behavior shown by the shepherds is the same that we find in many churches today. But we need to be wary of this because these behaviors are directly contradictory to the mission that Christ came to do. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61, beginning in the first verse, says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And they shall build the old waste, they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. And the stranger shall stand, 
and feed your flocks, and the sons of the aliens shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But ye shall be named the priests of the Lord. Men shall call you the ministers of our God. Ye shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory shall ye boast yourselves. For your shame you shall have double, and for confusion they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore in their land they shall possess the double, everlasting joy shall be under them. For I the Lord love judgment, I hate robbery for burnt offering, and I will direct their work in truth, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. And their seed shall be known among the Gentiles, and their offspring among the people. All that see them shall acknowledge them, that they are the seed which the Lord hath blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garment of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with jewels. For as the earth bringeth forth her bud, and as the garden causeth the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. The Lord sees what's going on in the church today, and He won't let it continue on this way. Christians are starving for spiritual food and nourishment all over the world. But while the shepherds can keep back food, they can't keep back God's blessing from His people. Matthew 5 and 6 says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. This is a definite promise. They shall be filled. We need to claim that, not only for ourselves, but also for all those who need the meat of the word of God in their life. Many shepherds haven't done what God has called them to do. They're preaching to congregations of starving people with bloated bellies. The people may be fooled, but God isn't. The Lord will look upon the shepherds of today and say the same as he did to Belshazzar long ago, that were weighed in the balances and are found wanting. If the shepherds won't do what they're called to do, God will raise up others. In verse 5, he said, And strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the aliens shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. He'll take strangers, those who you wouldn't expect. He'll take those who are willing to be faithful and obedient to him and to his word. He said in verse 6, But ye shall be named priests of the Lord. Men shall call you the ministers of our God. Ye shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory shall ye boast yourself. He'll use us to stand on the word of God as written, to speak truth to those around us. We may not be called to speak in a church setting, but we are the church. And wherever we are, speaking truth, the spirit that lives within us will be there to enlighten the minds of those to who we speak. It's time for the children of God to be fed. The last half of Ezekiel 34 and 12 said, So will I seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of all places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. Today may be a cloudy and dark day in the church, a day where truth is obscured and light is hidden under bushels. But the day is coming when the light will be put back on the candlestick for all to see. And the time is coming when this dark day will come to an end and the sun will rise again. We have something greater than the natural sun. We have the Son of God, the Word Himself, who abundantly feeds and provides for His people. Ezekiel 34 verses 14 to 15 say, I will feed them in a good pasture, and upon the high mounds of Israel shall their fold be. 
There shall they lie in a good fold, and in a fat pasture shall they feed upon the mounds of Israel. I will feed my flock, and I will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord God. Verse 29 tells us, And I will raise up for them a plant of renown, and they shall be no more consumed with hunger in the land, neither bear the shame of the heathen any more. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you that you are a part of our life today. And we thank you that you've put the Holy Spirit within us to lead us and to guide us into all truth. Lord, we thank you for the milk and the meat of your word. We thank you that you are always feeding us and taking notice of the nourishment and the feeding that we need. We thank you that you are our provider and that you take thought for our provision. Lord, we know that you see the abuse that is going on today in the church. We know that you see that the shepherds are holding back food from the children of God. And we know that since you are a God of justice and a God of righteousness, that you will not allow this to proceed. Lord, we thank you that you are going to bring about a change, that you will raise up people, strangers, and those who we least expect to be the ministers of your word and to feed your people in the way that you would add them to do so. Lord, we thank you that you are making us more sensitive to your spirit, opening up our spiritual ear to hear your voice to be able to discern your speaking to us so that we can gather more and more revelations from your word and so that we can grow and mature in our faith and in our walk with you. And Lord, for all of our brethren around the world who are right now being abused by the shepherds, we proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison doors to them that are bound. Lord, we ask that you fill their life with the spiritual sustenance that they need And Lord, we thank you that blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And Lord, we claim that promise for them in faith right now, today. And we thank you that their blessing will not only be contained to them, but that it will overflow into the lives of all those around them. And Lord, we give you all the honor and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to be truly fed, and have Jesus as a part of your life today. All you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. If you've prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you were now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from. And if you follow and subscribe, so that more people can hear the King's word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all, and we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's word together.